Uh, I think being persistent and also jumping before you're ready. Like, yeah. you know, when, when I got the call to, that I had gotten an internship, I had about a little over a week and a half to book flights, pack up my life, and actually find a place to live. Because I didn't have a place to live. I didn't know anyone in New York. Like, I had no family there. I'd only ever been there once before, yeah. and that was, you know, 10 years before. Um, and so I think uh, being willing to just, like, sort of throw yourself into complete and utter unknown uh, is where a lot of growth can happen. All right, man, let's jump in. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 714 Podcast. Today, I got a very special guest with me, Tyler Babin. Uh, he's a photographer, creator, YouTuber, just makes some dope shit, you know? Like, uh, So, how's it going, man? It's going good. I need to update my LinkedIn to just say, like, I make dope shit, because I don't know what's yeah. put on there. It's perfect. <laughs> I know, bro. I mean, you do. Like, it's it's some, like, I, I follow you on Instagram, and your photography and stuff, it, it's uh, amazing to see. So, yeah, thank keep you, bro. That up. I appreciate that. Um, so right now you're in Portland, right? Yeah, my new home. Um, just moved everything uh, from New York City over to here just a little over a month ago. Um, yeah. But it's been cool. It's been it's very different. It's like way smaller of a town than I think I anticipated. Um, mm-hmm. Much slower pace, but those were all things that I wanted. Um, and I wanted more space and things like that. So, so far it's, it's been pretty, pretty incredible. We've still had like some good weather. I'm just getting ready for the rainy season, which everyone yeah. tells me is going to be a nightmare, but, uh, I know. cross that bridge whenever we get there. Yeah. Anywhere in the Northwest, like it's it, Seattle and those areas, it's, uh, some bad weather. I'm in yeah. California, so uh, it's Southern California. So it's pretty much nice. good here we're, all year we're round, LA. uh, in Orange County. Okay. Like, nice. Yeah. That's basically uh, my favorite place on earth. Yeah. Southern California. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you moved there, like you said, a month ago and how's the transition been like smooth or. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's tough because like with the work I'm doing now, um, the, the like last quarter of the year is by far the busiest. Mm-hmm. So going through the process of like moving from one coast to the absolute other, which um, my my girlfriend and I kind of determined the best route to go was to get rid of about 85% of our possessions and just oh, buy man. everything new here <laughs> once we got here. Um, so, you know, going through the process of like not only moving with a, a new little puppy and uh, yeah. getting sort of everything set up here and also being the busiest time of the year for me in terms of like just a crazy amount of projects that are mm-hmm. um, in like pre-production and going into production right now. It's definitely had moments of like stress, but there were so many aspects of living in a city that wasn't New York that I think I forgot about that I really, really uh, like having. So like I bought a car again and being able to actually just like go places whenever I want. I'm not relying on like a train schedule or a bus schedule or having to like make sure I can get an Uber to and from wherever I'm going. Like things like that, the the sort of simple things that I think a lot of people probably take for granted that don't live in such a densely packed urban area. Um, Those are just kind of like everyday things those have been awesome. And I really like being able to have those again. And also it's just, I'm sitting in my office right now. And like, I have a view out to like the river and all I see are like trees and things like that. And it's yeah, such a, nature. A, a super crazy opposite of what I had experienced for the last five years in New York. 
that um, I feel like it was kind of just like a total mental and geographical reset. Yeah. Did, did you always grow up in big cities or uh, what was your no. hometown? No, no. I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, which is like a really, really small town up in North Florida. Um, well, I shouldn't say small town. I say small town and then people that are from there get upset <laughs> at me because it's like, I mean, it's, you know, a functioning city. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, very spread out. I sort of grew up in Florida my whole life. And it wasn't until I was like 21 that I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for the, the foreseeable future after that, I was basically just bouncing between New York and LA um, in the States. And so, both of those places are, you know, like New York and LA are not the rest of the world. Like those are like bubbles that exist mm-hmm. and things that happen in those two cities don't really happen in other places in the world. So um, getting back to sort of just like a, a normal place to live mm-hmm. has been pretty special. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that you moved to New York uh, and I know you worked with Gary for a while. Uh, was that the main reason why you moved there? Like you got that? or I, I always wanted to live in New York. Um, well, I shouldn't say always. I don't know. I went on a school trip when I was in like eighth grade to New mm-hmm. York and I was like, this is the spot. I got to be here. And it just made sense um, that with the type of work I do and like the genre of work I wanted to be in, I knew I needed to at least get my start in a pretty major city. And so uh, I was like working towards getting uh, something in New York, like just having a reason to go there. And then after I had sort of dropped out of school and was trying to figure out what the next thing was, I just started applying to every creative internship I could find in New York. And yeah. VaynerMedia was the only one that actually ended up reaching back out. Damn. So right then and there, it's like just uh, being persistent, I guess, just pays off. Uh, I think being persistent and also jumping before you're ready. Like, yeah. you know, when, when I got the call to, that I had gotten an internship, I had about a little over a week and a half to book flights, pack up my life and actually find a place to live because I didn't have a place to live. I didn't know anyone in New York. Like I had no family there. I'd only ever been there once before. Yeah, and that was you know, 10 years before. Um, and so I think uh, being willing to just like sort of throw yourself into complete and utter unknown uh, is where a lot of growth can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see, I mean, I watched some of your videos and you said that um, you worked at Staples for a few years, like before uh, you moved to New York. Um, yeah. And what, what like allowed you, what, what made you want to change that, like that life? Like you weren't uh, satisfied with doing yeah. that. So you wanted more from life, basically. What, what was that switch like? Um. I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, growing up in a, in a town where like I got sort of laughed at at the idea of being able to make a living as a, as a creative in any way. And like, I told people I wanted to be a photographer and the only ways that logically made sense to be a photographer where I grew up was to be a wedding photographer or to like take pictures of like family portraits (laughs) and little kids. And that's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so there wasn't really a lot of ways to make money doing the things I was doing. And so I sort of just had to, there was a point where I needed a job, like I needed to make money. And the only real option I had was to go work for minimum wage at like an office supply store. Yeah. Right. Um, that pretty quickly, I think showed me that there, that like you can easily get comfortable in different places. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was, I was about to get promoted at Staples from like a yeah. box boy over to like the tech center or something like that. Mm -hmm. And 
that was a moment where I was like, oh yeah, this is not what I want to do at all. Like, I don't want to be like growing up the company if of, like doing <laughs> bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of very quickly being there. I was like, I need to make a really, really dramatic change quickly to get myself on track with the direction I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even like for me during quarantine and stuff, uh, mm -hmm. I, I went to the gym before quarantine. I was going to the gym every day. And then over here, they shut down the gyms for a month. And then now, like you, you start to struggle with going every day again, just because you get comfortable with, uh, with your normal schedule. Yeah. So you just got to push yourself. Yeah, I, I think like momentum is compounding. Like I, I noticed that, you know, like when you're going to the gym every day, it's not as difficult to get up and go, right? Yeah. Because like you're just like the ball is constantly rolling. And you can make that happen with anything. Like you can get comfortable in going to the gym regularly. You can get comfortable mm -hmm. in making a video every day or a photo every day or something like that. Um, but just like getting over that initial slump can be a yeah. little tough. Um, so yeah, no, I, I totally feel you that I think especially this year has thrown a wrench into a lot of people's plans. And so remembering that like you were capable of that, like you were going to the gym all the time, right? So it's not something you, you can't do. In mm -hmm. the same way that like, if you take a break from like a creative project, like been breaking it off something that like I know a lot about, um, you know, I, I went through phases where like, whenever I worked for Gary, like I edited a 10 minute video every single day, cranked them out. And like, I can't do that right now. Like, it's just not where my headspace is. Like I'm yeah. focused on different things, but I know that I could, if I needed to, mm -hmm. you can always go back to that. So yeah. Yeah. Wherever your mind's at, uh, you just got to follow your, your passion and, and that drive to create, you know. Um, so were, were you always wanting to create like as a kid, like what, when was the passion for photography and all that? When did that accumulate? Um, it actually started with magic. I was like really into magic growing up, um, mm -hmm. like just into card tricks and things like that. And I was an only child, didn't really have anyone to like show the magic tricks I was working on to. And so I just went to the internet. Like I went to YouTube. That was the place that I felt like there was an audience I could show what I was up to. So I just started filming myself uh, doing these like different card tricks that I was practicing all day. And it was way less at that point. Like I didn't care about being a filmmaker or a photographer. It was like I was just using video and photos as a means to like translate what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I quickly realized that like through the magic of editing, I could make the things I was doing way better, right? Yeah. Like I could like cut out my mistakes and things like that. And that just kind of sent me down this like track of editing and understanding like how stories were built out and things like that. Um, and so it was from a really young age. And then it was like, if I wasn't making videos around magic tricks, I was like filming my friends skateboarding. You know, and like I would go back and it's always, I was actually having lunch with a friend yesterday. And we were sort of talking. We were like kind of having the same conversation. And I was like, it's funny whenever you're like, there's always someone like in the friend group that maybe has a camera. And like, yeah. I definitely wasn't the best <laughs> skateboarder. So it just made sense for me to film the guys that were better. <laughs> yeah. And then that's just at some point, I don't know when the, the switch got flipped, but I realized I cared more about uh, being the guy behind the camera and like creating the story than I was like the person in front of it having to be the mm -hmm. talent you yeah, know? And, and now uh more than ever in the past like 10 15 years with youtube and stuff like anybody could create you know we see apps and uh like social media uh you just have need to have a phone nowadays and you could create whatever you want 
Yeah. Yeah. The barrier of entry is like never been lower. You know, mm. you don't have to have like a team and a production and a big camera and all yeah. that. I mean, literally, like if you have a phone, you have more technology in that phone than what like movies were being made on just 20 years ago. Uh, you know, even like, have you heard the, about the new iPhone having uh, Dolby Vision cameras like a, yeah. an iPhone 12? Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's pretty, crazy. pretty insane. I can't wait to get my hands on it and like see what it can actually do. Yeah. I mean, now it's, it's easier than ever. Like I'm recording this on my phone too. So anything you could record on anything really. Yeah. So. I think, I think it's, I think people take for granted what they have and use what they don't have is like the reason for not doing something. Mm -hmm. So even though like we're having this conversation, like I'm on my iPad and I'm like taking notes and like, I have all these tools and like nothing other than the iPad and my phone and a notebook. I don't have a camera or another computer or anything on this desk. And like, yeah. I have all the tools I need to like make something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you could easily take that same situation and instead of being like, oh, look at all this amazing technology I have to create something and be like, ah, but I don't have another laptop and that's the reason I can't do it. And so I'm yeah. just not going to, you know? Yeah, that you can't have that mentality, especially like when you're trying to make something, um, you got to do whatever it takes with what you have. Like I don't, right now I don't have like a nice studio or anything like that, but you know, I, I just do it anyways you know or else the opportunity is just gonna go by so yeah um so i want to get back to your your time with gary what was that like working for him i know you just said like it was a uh, fast paced you made 10 minute videos every day what was yeah. it like it was cool um you know it's it's funny like i, I get asked that question a lot and, I, and my answer has both like changed a lot and never changed and that mm -hmm. it was an awesome job I'm incredibly grateful for that job and you know building the relationship I have with Gary and that whole team at Invader Media um, but it also like it was just a job you know and I think people can sometimes get so attached to like one job or one role and think that that is the end all be all, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. I'm far more proud of everything I've done in the almost two years since I left working for mm -hmm. VaynerMedia than, than everything I did there, because it's like, now I'm actually able to build out something for myself. Um, but I, I mean, you know, and, and that's not to come off as like ungrateful that I, I owe an immense amount to Gary and, and VaynerMedia. And it gave me um, essentially the entire foundation and platform that I was able to build off of. And I learned so much and I learned how to like make those 10 minute videos every day and how to both pitch clients and understanding how like a client thinks versus an agency thinks, you know, those are, those are yeah. very like different languages. And I oftentimes in the way I'm working now where I, even though I really, really hate the word influencer, that's kind of the role I play a lot of times now where it's like agencies are reaching out to me for a certain project. I have to kind of be like, I'm the talent version of it, but I also know how the agency's thinking. And I know how the client's thinking and I'm yeah. able to facilitate that into a larger project or a bigger budget because I just know the language that everyone's speaking. And so for those things, like those are the skills that I actually think I'm most grateful for versus, you know, the time that like Gary and I flew to Dubai for like three hours to make something, you know, like it's just, it's, those are like the differences. Cause I think there's certain skill sets that I took from that job that will, will take me a lot further in the, in the direction I'm trying to push my career now versus those like, you know, the crazy, like fast paced days. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. You just gain, uh, gain experience from whatever you do really. So, uh, it's, it's a great experience, but, uh, what made you want to move on from that? What, what was the deciding factor or, or decision that you made? Well, I mean, I think the, the important thing is I never intended to stay forever. You know, um, the idea of like, what was the thing that made you decide you were going to leave? It was less like a specific moment as much as I just remember waking up one day and being like, no, I'm not growing anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And that's okay. Like yeah. that's natural. Um, I think for where well, the that's like the same at, thing that happened with you at Staples, you know, like if, if I could connect that, like you got yeah, bored sure. of, of, of doing that kind of stuff and you wanted more and this basically the same, same situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I, I didn't feel like I was growing anymore. I was getting kind of like stagnant and it was just, because I knew that I was never going to stay there forever and that I always wanted to like go try and, you know, build something for myself, even if it was smaller. Um, I knew that at some point that was going to happen. And frankly, I stayed way longer than I anticipated staying, Mm -hmm. you know, like whenever I got the job, I didn't think I'd stay for more than a year or two. And I stayed for almost four. Um, It was like an internship, right. That you got, Oh, that you said that it was a, like, was it a summer internship or, or um, it, I mean, it was, I think it was like a fall internship. No, it was a spring internship. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like I was, I mean, I was a dropout at that point. So um, I was just going for, you know, working for like a little bit. Um, but I, I only worked the internship for about two years before they offered me a full-time job okay. or two years, excuse me, two months, um, two, months. two months before they offered me a full-time job. And then I immediately went from an intern where I was working on the agency side of things to uh working directly with gary on his team yeah like uh doing filming and editing and stuff like that because i it's it started as graphic design and editing and then um probably like i don't know a year into being on gary's team is whenever i started traveling with him and like spending more time Mm -hmm. uh directly filming him and things like that yeah because he has a series daily v i i've uh i've watched like plenty of those episodes and like I, I see that at the end, you've edited uh, a lot of the episodes. You've even filmed a few uh, yourself, and like the music you selected, like fire everything that you selected. So, I uh, really man. appreciate that. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's great seeing him. Like, uh, you never really get to see a CEO of a of a top business from that point of view, like his daily life and stuff. So. I mean, it's really a a big factor. What was it like filming him or or editing his footage? Like, what what are the key parts that you took away from from him? Um, I mean, there's you know, there's countless lessons that I I learned from Gary and all that stuff. You know, filming was it it just showed me I think how to like be more on the move and like uh, more like really run and gun like documentary style filmmaking and that we never, you know, it was never like if Gary walked by a scene that I thought was cool, I couldn't be like, Hey, like walk back by that. So I can get this shot of your feet or something. It was, we were really, really like running uh, super, super fast paced throughout the days. Like his schedule was always booked, you know, five, 10 minutes at a time. Like Mm -hmm. we really, really had to go. And so um, it taught me a lot about just over capturing in the moment and then being able to really find a story inside of the editing process. Um, which, uh, you know, my, my feelings now are 
are a little different. Like, you know, it's the, uh, Gary will often say like document over create and document mm-hmm. over create, I think is great if you have a lot going on, if there's a lot to document, sometimes there's not a lot to document and you have to create, right? Like, especially given the, um, in quarantine and things like that, I'm not really traveling anymore. So there's not like, I don't wake up in the morning and get like hit with a story like right away. Yeah. Um, I have to like sort of sit down like with a notebook and be like, all right, it's time to create something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so learning how to do both of those, I think was been, was probably one of the biggest like tactical lessons I took away from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just the, his speed is like crazy. Like I, I've seen on the videos, the timestamps that you put on, like he had a meeting for one hour and then right away he has another meeting. Crazy shit. But yeah, that, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so I know you're, you're a really good editor. Um, where did you learn how to edit? Was it just YouTube? Like that's how I learned pretty much is just YouTube and that's it. Like I took a graphic design class in high school. Yeah. And they had the whole Adobe Creative Cloud. At that point, I didn't even know uh, what that was. Like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I had no idea what Creative Cloud is or or was. Um, but after I I started using like Photoshop and uh, Illustrator and and Premiere Pro, I was like, this is like super fun. You know, like just yeah. being able to put your thoughts out onto a screen and see it come to life is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, like I have a really um, in-depth relationship with Adobe and and so like all their programs are incredible. But yeah, I I really started um, for one, I think it comes from a place of just chopping my way through things. So, you know, whenever I, I first started editing, YouTube really wasn't even a thing yet. And there definitely wasn't editing tutorials yet. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I remember my first like reference on editing was actually a book that was like the how to edit yeah. dummies or whatever. Um, yeah. And like that, and like the software manual, like this is before creative cloud was out and you still had to like buy individual programs oh, as you wanted them. Um, to me, I started editing whenever I was in like seventh, sixth or seventh grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty early. And then, yeah, as you know, those skills started to, Uh, define themselves and more like the YouTube editing community became a thing. Um, That's where I I really started getting a little bit more complex. But I think that, uh, you know, I I think editing sometimes is viewed at a little bit of like the wrong angle. Mm -hmm. Like editing is super tactile. Like when someone says I'm a great editor, like I appreciate that. And I do think I'm, I'm good at, you know, the, the technical process, but you can only be a good editor if you have a good vision, right? Yeah. Like there has, you have to be able to assemble the video in your head before you can put it on mm-hmm. to a screen, right? And so um, I think that you can learn all of those like technical skills from YouTube and different books and resources like that. But the, the real thing that makes you a special like storyteller and editor is to just spend so many hours in the program not just focused on effects or color grading or mixing audio, but like structurally, how can you organize a story to make the most sense and be, you know, the most value providing and the most entertaining for a viewer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when I, when I learned how to edit and stuff, I think I got the most value in, in the YouTube videos was when I had the footage and 
I, I had the idea of what I wanted to put, but I didn't know how to do it. So I looked it up on YouTube exactly what I wanted to do. And that's where I picked the pieces that I wanted to use. And I put it in the video, not like I'm going to watch this whole uh, two hour tutorial on how to edit and then learn and then go do it. Cause I don't think that makes sense. You just had to just force yourself to just do it and learn in the process of doing it. For sure. I think that's what gives you the biggest foundation. And don't get me wrong, like I still will, you know, I still try and skim through those longer tutorials, especially now when it's like, you know, Adobe's pushing out updates like every few weeks, every few months. And mm-hmm. I have like the benefit of having, you know, a relationship with Adobe. So oftentimes they'll communicate what's what the updates are, but sometimes there's just more updates than what I know. And so maybe, you know, they do insert something into a new update and it's worth that two hours to like watch through something because you have to have both sides of it, right? You have to yeah. have that technical knowledge, but also the, the more like flexible creative side of things where you just understand storytelling as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned that you're, uh, you have a good relationship with Adobe. You were a uh, creative resident. Uh, am I saying that title correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last, last year. Um, how was that experience? And can you uh, explain what that program is entails really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Adobe has a program called the creative residency where every year they pick a handful of creatives um, and essentially like just sponsor them for a year. So you become an employee of Adobe, but you don't actually have any uh, responsibilities for Adobe. So Mm -hmm. you pitch a project on how you would spend a year um, pursuing different creative interests. And so, uh, mine was sort of focused on video and building out my own YouTube channel and things like that. Um, and that was the, the job I left whenever I, I decided to leave VaynerMedia as I left that and pretty much transitioned immediately into the creative residency, which was awesome. Um, it was way different than I anticipated. Um, but it was good. I and mean, it just gave me time to really flesh out uh, ideas and uh, more than anything, figure out like sort of who I was, you know, that was a yeah. year that I got to just sort of sit down and like really think, think, think things through, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that project ended in May. And it was kind of a weird time to immediately be thrown into like, freelance solo mode like in the middle of a pandemic um without having like a massive client list to go off of so that was like a good experience i'm just like being resourceful and understanding how to you know create income and things like that Mm -hmm. um and then for the last you know since may so closing in on i don't know what is that six seven months um of being like a totally like solo creator yeah i mean that's a massive transition but like you, you've gained the experience. Like I could tell with your YouTube videos and everything that you're posting out, uh, like I know you could do it. So, uh, just congrats on, on being a solo creator, I guess, you know, uh, thanks man. And so that Adobe residency, they just let you do whatever you want. Like they don't really care what you create. Uh, I mean, in, in a way, like I, you know, for the most part, once you get selected for the program, which the application process is extremely in depth and takes a long time. So they, they really like do their due, due diligence to make sure they're picking the right people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when, once you got selected outside of, you know, one call a week where I would like touch base with my point of contact at Adobe, um, there was no one who was like checking in on me every day being like, what are you working on? Uh, yeah. it was sort of just trusted that I was, um, you know, building out some sort of creative project. And, you know, I think every resident is different and like the value they provide for Adobe. But like during that year, like I was doing tons of speaking engagements and like podcasts and really, really trying to amplify um, Adobe and what Adobe sort of stands for and things like Mm -hmm. that. So um, as long as I was consistent on those tracks, I think uh, they didn't really uh, stress too much over where my, where my time was being spent. Yeah. And like you said, now you're transition transitioned into being a solo creator. And, uh, I think change is, uh, very important in life. Like, uh, we talked about this before, but we're, we're, uh, sometimes we get stagnant and we just keep doing the same things over and over again and not really push ourselves to grow. Um, so how, how does how does change like how do you um keep changing is what i'm trying to say like what what pushes yeah. you to keep changing um i wish i had a better answer than i just get bored really easily mm-hmm. um i sort of constantly feel like i need things to be switched up and if if i'm if my days are too similar for too long then i will make a dramatic change you know like the the idea of moving from new york to portland like I didn't know a single person. I knew, I knew one person in Portland, but like I had, I had never been here before. My girlfriend had never been here before. And we just like bought one way flights and just went for it. Um, because we were just kind of bored. We needed a change, you know? Um, and I think that, uh, I think it's hard for some people because there's like a fear of the unknown, but I actually think life's a lot simpler than that. Like, I don't know if, literally the you know the, the process of like we were you know the flight was taking off and it was like if we don't like it in portland we'll just go back to new york the next year once the lease is up you know like i think there's so many things that are uh very few things are permanent i guess i should mm-hmm. say and so i have no fear of dramatic changes in all aspects of my life because i think that if i don't like how something turns out i'll just change it again and i'll just keep doing that until i, I sort of like find that level of happiness yeah if you don't try, you'll never know what, what it entails really. So that that's important. Um, in your recent video, you talked about, uh, imposter syndrome. So I want to talk about that. Um, uh, what are, what are some of the ideas or thoughts that, that you have to try to get back in, in, uh, in that rhythm instead of doubting yourself? Like what do you listen to music? Do you watch a movie or what, what kind of process is that for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone's listening who doesn't, uh, I'll give some context to that video. Uh, Imposter syndrome is basically this idea of just like constant self-doubt or thinking that you don't deserve the uh, things you've achieved at any point in your life. It's something I've dealt with definite phases in my life of like tons of self-doubt. And it's one of those questions I get really regularly, you know, just like DM'd an email to me is sort of how, to combat it. So I made a video where I was just sort of detailing some little techniques I use. But yeah, I think um, music and movies are really, really great resources. Honestly, man, I, I think getting really okay with just 
stepping away from projects sometimes mm-hmm. is probably the most is one of the best things you can do and least utilized yeah. because there's this mindset that you just have to stay in the room. You just have to keep working on it and like chugging mm-hmm. away. And sometimes that's the case, right? Like sometimes you just need to like power through a phase where it's not clicking. But I think, you know, I think luckily I've sort of gotten to a place in my life where if I wake up and I'm working and I'm just, it's just not there and I'm not feeling it, I'll just not do it that day. You know, mm-hmm. like there's always tomorrow. Like you can always, you don't have to create content every waking minute of your life to be successful. Yeah. Like it's, it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Nor should you create content every waking minute of your life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's other things that matter. Um, for me, it, you know, it's just being willing to like step away. And normally if I step away and, like I'll either usually like go for a run or go to the gym or something that'll just like separate my mind and I can like think differently. And then oftentimes I'll be like, okay, I'm good. And I can like go back to that project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause sometimes the idea doesn't come right away and maybe it just because you go in a different environment, you leave the house, you go to a different place. It, it something clicks somehow. Yeah. I, I don't know the mystery of that, but it just does. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, and I also think um, uh, getting things, like, out of your body is important. So I've been, like, I I don't know, like, I've been trying to figure out a way to, like, talk about this publicly and not sound like a crazy person, Mm -hmm. but there was something really strange whenever I made that video a few weeks ago on imposter syndrome. The Mm -hmm. second I uploaded it and I was just very public and being like, hey, I deal with this, it, like, it's like it left my body and I just don't need it. And like, I feel way, way better now, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think sometimes you just have to be okay with like putting things out there and being like, yeah, um, I feel this way. It's out of my body now. And I can like, just keep moving forward. At least that's, that's how it impacted me. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it, it helps with having this podcast to just share any idea that I have or people I want to talk to. I just reach out and, and that's how it all happens. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really important to, to have the changes, uh, and sometimes get in a different environment to create, uh, new ideas. Cause like, uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, and one of his, I, I forget where I heard him say this, but he said, um, an idea is like the driver to a car, like your, your, a car, the car is the, your mind and the idea is the driver. And sometimes we want to get in the car without the driver and you won't go anywhere. You need the idea to, to go places. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, photography. I know you're really into creating and if you guys haven't checked out his Instagram, like he has some dope pics on there. Uh, make sure to check that out. Um, so what, what made you, what's the, what's the process of creating pictures? Like what for you, like, uh, going to places. I, I know I see your videos of in Oregon, just driving around to beaches and places. Um, yeah how do you create those pictures? Like what's the editing process like? And yeah. 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 Um, 
So I mean, like a lot of a lot of my work right now is like definitely more travel influenced, and since moving to Oregon, just having so many more like landscapes and things like that to document that so much of uh, my time has just been spent doing just that, driving around, and like as I see something, I'm like, oh, that's a cool spot, and I'll just like drive around that spot a few times and figure out different ways to capture it. Um, when it comes to the editing process, the workflow right now is pretty streamlined. Like I have you know very defined like presets and things that stylistically fit the direction I will want things to go and that will like match my Instagram feed and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I will, I don't know, I think you'd be probably surprised to like see some of the raw photos. I think one of the, I'm not sure if it's the most recent photo I put up of me like standing under a bridge, Mm -hmm. Um, like the, the background is a totally different photo from like where I am. And like, I did take that picture, but then I took it at all different exposures and like, you know, cut in different sections of trees where there weren't trees. And like there was a parking lot next to me that I didn't want. So I cut that out. Um, so a lot of times there is a lot of, uh, of seeing like how far I can push a photo. Um, I think sometimes like photography purists can get turned off by that. I have a few friends that always like joke with me if, there's been times where I've like photoshopped birds into a picture because that's like that's the story I wanted to tell. But to me, I think I look at photography in a similar way to like painting a picture or something. Yeah. And it's like if you're painting a picture, you're starting with a blank canvas and you get to like create the scene that's happening. I think I kind of approach photography in the same way of it's, you know, you start out with that first piece, which is like a photo, but then you can manipulate that photo as far as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it maybe it's not the purest form of photography, but uh, it is an art. Yeah, it, doesn't form have to be. it doesn't you know? have to be the purest yeah. form. It, you could just create 100%. however you want to create. And for me, like learning Photoshop, like really sparked that um, in high school. Um, yeah, I took that class and one of our first assignments was to just get a picture uh, of a car or whatever and create like just have the car and create a whole background for it. and. It was just, uh, it was just great to see that you could have the ideas and put it out on there, and not really care about oh, it's uh has to be this type of way. It could be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that that should wrap it up there. Um. Thank you, uh, Tyler, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um. And make sure to go check out his YouTube channel his Instagram, anything else you want to add on here? Like, no, man, this is great. Thanks for having me on. Um, if there's anything uh, I can ever do to help out or if anyone is ever wants to chat, um, feel free to DM me on Instagram, just at Babin. Um, I do my best to check in on those every day, but if I don't respond, mm-hmm. just keep messaging me until I see it. Yeah. I mean, keep it up with the uh, great work. I know you're busy. You got a, something at one right now. So, uh, talk to you later uh thank you everybody for listening and watching uh and peace